Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you as always, episode 47. If you keep a track at home, I'm thinking a little Tom Glavin, uh, a Mets faithful, or Jim Morris, uh, who was the story behind the movie The Rookie, a 2002 film with Dennis Quaid in it, of a uh, of a pitcher trying to make the major leagues late in his career, late into his uh, adult lifehood. But uh, I want to welcome in my co-host, Jolan Bioqua. Jolan, we've had some time off here. Great to be back. It is great to be back. Number 47, I got to go with Mel Blunt. Steelers, secondary, played in all four Super Bowls in the 70s for them. Um, and he was named Defense Player of the Year in the 70s. So, hats to you, Mel Blunt. Steel Curtain, shout out. Part of that Steel Curtain, that oh, that gritty, awesome uh, defense that I know my co-host of my radio show, the doc, Dr. Vin Prisbolinski, would love. Loves the fact that we're talking about a Steeler Pittsburgh here. Pittsburgh guy. Of course, absolutely. So, we're going to keep it rolling here, Jolan. we got a lot to talk about in a short amount of time. Let's start in the NFL. We had the NFL draft. Now, listen, neither one of us did particularly well in terms of total picks correct in the first round. The numbers are... So, you had three first-round picks correct, being um, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and then number four, Kyle Pitts. You straight away from quarterback. And then I had five. I had all first four picks correct with uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Kyle Pitts. And then I also had Mac Jones at 15 going to the Patriots. And then Miami with Jalen Phillips at 18. So I had a couple right there. I think I had six. And then I had, of course, um, Bears taking Justin Fields. But only at number 12, I had, unfortunately, the Eagles trading back, not forward. So, yeah, it's a rough draft for everybody across the board. Not many first-round picks correct, even from the pro analysts, because number seven, J.C. Horn, he goes to the Panthers. Yeah, I think it was a very fascinating draft. By the way, great job by Cleveland. Thought they did a terrific job. Goodell bringing the the lazy boy chair out there was hilarious. The guy that was dressed up as a pumpkin, the Browns fan that was dressed up as a pumpkin. That's awesome. Absolutely terrific. And, I mean, listen, I even had, you know, you could call it a half one in there. I had Mac Jones going to the Patriots. In a different form, I had them trading up. Uh, but definitely a difficult draft to predict. Obviously, with the quarterbacks, you knew Chicago or somebody would go up. I believe I had Chicago trading up. I don't believe. No, because I didn't have Justin Fields on the board at that time. I had them taking Trey Lance. So, uh, you know, definitely an interesting draft. But, Joel, I want to get to some winners and some losers like there is in life. There are winners and then there are losers. And I think right off the bat, a team that struck me was the hometown team, the Cleveland Browns. I thought they had a great, great, great draft. And I'll tell you, it really predicates with their, you know, I mean, listen, Greg Newsom II, very intelligent corner out of Northwestern. And then to get a guy like Jeremiah Owusu Koromo, the linebacker, however you say it, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, at 52, now we learned after the draft, he uh, he had a little bit of a health scare, and that was in part reason why he f- slipped. The fact that he slipped to number 52, easy trade up for the Browns. Anthony Schwartz, the linebacker, uh, the wide receiver, excuse me, out of Auburn, can flat fly. Okay, so he's gonna be one of the fastest people on the field the minute he steps on it. Plus, you look at what they did this offseason. I thought the Cleveland Browns an early winner. Of this draft. Well, when you look at across the board, for me, my favorite team in this draft has to be the New York Jets. 
Now, we had talked about this before the show. It weighs heavily on the performance of Zach Wilson. That's you, correct. You see them at number two. They pick their quarterback, who the new regime picks their guy. You see new regimes all the time, cleaning house for quarterbacks they don't want to pick their own guy. They do that here with the number two pick. Then they trade up in the first round to get Elijah Barrett Tucker, who they're going to have playing guard, solidify that left side with, I believe, Makai Becton for at least 10 years. Great pick there. And then I think their steal comes in the second round. You know, Elijah Moore out of Mississippi. Goose, again, before the show, had alluded to him being the guy to cost them the Egg Bowl um, doing that dog um, pee celebration. So there was character issues, but great talent. I think that's why he falls later on in the second round, or early in the second round, after the first, rather. And then Michael Carter, running back. So they get all these weapons on offense. They address a need. They have to rebound this year. I think the Jets knocked it out of the park. Joe Douglas, again, killer draft, but it all depends on how Zach Wilson performs. And if he's not their guy, all these offensive tra- uh, offensive moves they have drafted, rather, are not going to pan out. Yeah, and I think if you're a Jet fan, a couple, you know, an area of concern, uh, you know, we t- and again, we talked about this prior to the show, like, this is great. Like, oh, in 10 years, we may come back, and the super fans will say, well, this was a good draft. Elijah Vera Tucker's played. Elijah Moore was good for us, etc., etc. This draft is either boom or bust based on that number two pick. How good is Zach Wilson? Now, I'm not completely sold on the kid. And again, part of it is he's got a good left side, great left side, so that's solidified. I don't think he has a number one receiver. Now, this is where you get into a battle of of beliefs and thought processes when it comes to offense. You can have enough B, B-plus players that'll create a situation in which it feels like you have a number one and you have all these weapons. Or you like an offense like Arizona, where it is your star quarterback and a star receiver like DeAndre Hopkins or Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. We'll talk about him later. Uh, or Aaron Rodgers, that is, not Devontae. Devontae's been all good. Uh, you know, you so it's it's different philosophies. That's the word I was really looking for. So uh, they don't – Corey Davis is not a one. Jameson Crowder has shown us he's not a one. Denzel Mims, I think he's still got some development. He's still got he got to get on the field. He's got to stay healthy. Uh, and then Elijah Moore, we'll see what he can be. They don't have a true one yet, but I think right now Jets fans are optimistic in that area. And isn't there still questions around how good Zach Wilson will be at the pro level? Yeah, he played oh, against yeah. BYU, and now here's my dilemma with this pick, which I still think it's a great pick, but there's a lot of other talented quarterbacks that can easily succeed in the NFL, and all of a sudden Zach Wilson, if he's doing okay, looks marginalized because he's doing okay compared to these other guys who are balling at an elite level. You well, the, you Trevor know, Lawrence and Justin Fields, if that happens. Right. These are the moments. I mean, listen, Mitch Trubisky is a meme because of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Like, he's, he's got to be top five most made fun of quarterback. CBS Sports ripped him on something. Of course they did. It was did. like, oh, you could have put your franchise to poverty for years. And it was like him with the second number yep. two pick. Uh, absolutely. Ooh. Absolutely. <laughs> but, and, and again, that... Again, that comes from seeing what they are down the road. Situation, we always talk about Mahomes landed in the perfect situation. Deshaun Watson landed in a situation that was a hell of a lot better than it is right now. And uh, so I think that's, again, I'm not sold on Zach Wilson at the pro level. He struggled against Coastal Carolina. I'm not sure what he's going to be able to do. Let's just stick with the good for now before we go to the bad. Let's just talk round one. Who do you think was the best value pick in round one, specifically. Oh, that's, you know, that's very, you you look at it up and down the board. Listen, the Eagles did a great job trading up. 
Uh, we know there was some collusion there with the Cowboys. There had to be. The Eagles do not like trading with the Cowboys. This is like, like it's just one of those things. Us trading with Washington doesn't right. happen. Right, it just does not, does not happen. You look up and down. I think you look at Baltimore with a guy like Rashad Bateman, who I thought might go earlier in the first round. Uh, I thought that was a, that was a great, great pick for them. And then, honestly, Jolan, you really look at Vera Tucker. Vera Tucker's a great one. Slater to the Chargers. Sitting and taking Slater. Absolutely great pick for them. But I got to tell you, it's another offensive lineman that, to me, takes the crown. That's Penny Sewell to the Detroit Lions. I knew it. That was one that they're just sitting there, and Cincinnati messed up. And I think think Miami potentially messed up, too, although we kind of knew Miami was going receiver. That's your left tackle for the next 10 years. I bet you Jared Goff woke up uh, the next morning feeling a little bit better about his blind side. And you're right to mention Bateman and to mention guys like Vera Tucker. And I could even be a homer mentioning someone like uh, Kadarius Toney because we got all those picks. But my favorite pick in the first round has to be Christian Darisaw. He goes to the Vikings at number 24. They actually trade down, still got their guy. Vikings war room, I knew for a fact, was having a great night that night. Oh, of course. And, they, you know, and you talk about the Giants. Dave Gettleman does something he's never done. He traded back in the first round. As soon as Devontae Smith uh, got, you know, as soon as the Eagles jumped him to get Devontae Smith, he traded back with Chicago. He got, he got, obviously they swapped first this year. They got a first round from Chicago next year. And I believe they got a fourth-round pick next year as well, also from Chicago. And now Mel Kuyper even said that he gave the Giants a B-plus, but he should have gave them an A. And the reason is because Chicago, with this new quarterback, year one quarterback, or they go Dalton, they have a defense that's kind of deteriorating, not to the level they were playing two years ago. They have the toughest schedule in football. They have a top-four toughest schedule their whole conference, obviously. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they can handle new quarterback, maybe a quarterback replacing them midseason. They might have a top five pick, so this might be a steal for the New York Giants here. Right, and I, but you know what? What concerns me is what's happening in Green Bay, and obviously we're going to talk a more about this afterwards. But obviously Adam Schefter uh, came out with this story about Aaron Rodgers. Now he did clarify the air a little bit. He said, "I did not. This was not somebody. Some source called me on draft day and said you should present. This has been a culmination of information that he's collected. Um, so." What happens with Aaron Rodgers is going to dictate how well that pick is. Because if Aaron Rodgers leaves that division, Jordan Love can't even get practice reps. That's what they think of him. Okay, Kirk Cousins is the definition of mediocrity. Okay, and and who knows if Dalvin Cook can continue to do what he's been doing. Uh, and then you have the Lions, who I think are far and away. I don't I don't think they're close. Listen, they're, they're bite, not close. They're, but gonna they're bite rebuilding knee, properly. They're going to bite kneecaps this year. But I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. So if Aaron Rodgers leaves that division, I think the Chicago Bears, whether they're above 500 or not, could potentially find a way to win that division. Then at that point, the minute they make the playoffs, that picks automatically, you know, 18, 18 and further back. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but credit to Dave Gettleman doing something he's never done. And he did it twice. Yes, he traded back from 42 to 50 as they got Aziz uh, Ojolari who apparently some some mock drafts had him going 11 to the Giants in the first round. I did not see any of those, uh, but, you know, and obviously I didn't pick it, so I'm not 100% sure where that came from. But Dave Gettleman getting great value. Aziz, a lot of people had a first-round grade on him, 
And uh, so, you know, to get him in the second round, especially at 50, that's great value right there. So let's stay in the first round, but let's go from good to bad. Uh-oh. Who is the worst first-round pick pick this year? Oh, the worst first-round pick. Like actual player or like or team v- we thought? Value, position need, all that in consideration. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with – this is tough. I'm going to go with the Bengals. Um, I had a huge problem with the Bengals not taking Penny Sewell. I'm, I'm glad Joe Burrow is going to be thrown to his buddy, uh, but he might be thrown to his buddy out the window of the hospital uh, as he continues to just not have protection. Then in the second round, they had they had uh, the likes. They could have gotten the likes of uh, Tevin Jenkins. Uh, there's there's another tackle that's slipping my mind. They had a chance to get to, and they passed on him. What are you doing? Where is the protection for Joe Burrow? And if you're relying on what you got right now, you're kind of in the same hole as Dave Gettleman, who that's the that's the one area where I thought he should have addressed. Nonetheless, I thought the Bengals value-wise, listen, Jamar Chase can be this great receiver, but again, it does you no good if he's being thrown the ball from the hospital bed. Especially when you got guys like Tyler Boyd, you got right. guys like T. Higgins still there. Right, they don't have scrubs at receiver. Like... You know, they, they could have just taken their left tackle for the next 10 years, and they could have just marched on, and they could have gotten a guy like Rondell Moore in the second round. They could have gotten a guy like Elijah Moore in the second round. Oh, uh, well, he went a couple know, ahead, but Right, they could, have tra- trade they could have exactly. tried to trade up for him. They could have done a lot of these other things. You know, maybe they tried to trade back in the first round for a guy like Bateman. They could have done all these things while getting their left tackle for the next 10 to 15 years. People overlook it all the time, and it's understated by just about everybody unless you actually have some respect for the offensive line, then you actually understand it. I just had a big problem with them not going Penny Sewell in the first round. I'll actually stay on the topic of tackle here. My worst first-round pick is the Raiders. I feel like they reached with Alex Leatherwood, and you had mentioned a couple names already. You had guys like Tevin Jenkins. You had guys like Christian Darisaw even at that point. I think it was a little bit of a reach, but their second round made up for it. They got Trevor Morig, I think. Yeah, TCU. TCU. That could have been their first round pick, and they could have got Alex Leatherwood on the back end. But all is good and graces. But just for value, for position wise, Raiders had the worst first round pick. Now let's go to worst overall draft. Who do you think had the worst draft for the needs they had, for the problems they occur in the off season that didn't address all this good stuff that just teams didn't plan for? You mentioned the Giants with no all line picks. We could talk about that. Who had the worst draft? This is tough. Um, because it really comes down to two teams. And, and again, I'm just looking over all the draft picks now. Uh, Houston had a bad draft, uh, but Houston's headed to a very dark place. Ten years. Uh, they took Davis Mills, who's likely going to be their week one starter, uh, the way things are looking for them down there. <laughs> Sadly. And, and the way things are looking for Deshaun Watson, and obviously the lawsuits were, were still... Obviously, if, that's an ongoing situation. If Deshaun Watson plays football again, it will not be for Houston. Yeah, I don't think so either. Dollar. I don't think so either. But then, but then you also look at it, and the Saints had a very eh, draft. They take a defensive lineman, which wasn't a position of need for them. Nope. Then they take they take Pete Warner, the linebacker out of Ohio State. I'm not. I'm not a great fan of his. Quan Alexander's there. You got guys there still. Yeah, and you know their two biggest positions in need were cornerback and wide receiver. They took a wide receiver in round seven, and they took a corner in round three. So not guys that are necessarily gonna pop. You know, I think you know they they obviously have the chance. 
And then you take a guy like Ian Book, the quarterback out of Notre Dame, not really high on him. Like, what is he coming in for? Uh, I'm, I don't, I head scratcher with the Saints and the Texans. Really, honestly, just pure head scratchers. I'm calling it a tie. And honestly, there's a couple teams you could put down there because of picks they had and right. so, positions they put themselves in. But I do not love the Seahawks draft here. Mm. They only got a receiver in uh, Eskridge from Western Michigan. They only got a DB in Trey Brown from Oklahoma, who I was pretty high on, actually. And then Stowe Forsyth from Florida, they got a tackle. But this isn't going to make Russell Wilson happy. That's your franchise guy. You need the pieces in place. You don't have a lot of draft picks because who you traded for. You have a glorified linebacker at safety. I think it's time to start readdressing your franchise and start building from the ground up. And maybe Russell Wilson shouldn't be there for it. Maybe the Seahawks got to look themselves in the mirror, pay too many people too much money here and there. Russell Wilson gets paid too much money. The Seahawks yeah. had a bad draft with only three picks. And honestly, they need to start being better in the front office end before they lose Pete Carroll, before they lose Russell Wilson, before the franchise starts to deteriorate and be ran like it used to be ran because they haven't been a good franchise until 2008. Yeah. So it's a dark time for Seattle ahead if they don't start addressing their needs. Eskridge, you know, and I mean, again, like this is this is the crazy part. Seattle's probably been to the – I think they've been to the postseason every year Russell Wilson's been But are been they going to break through that glass ceiling? Right, like they, like they did um, – what was that, 2012? Yeah, so uh, I will tell you, Eskridge, if there's signs to be to, to look up, last year, listen, first of all, he's 5'9". Uh, he's going to play the slot because you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. It's not a position of need. He, like... He's got 23 yards per catch. He has a 4.39.40, and he roasty-toastied every corner at the Super Bowl, at the Senior, Senior Bowl. Bowl. So, you know, again, like if you're looking at a good sign, uh, you know, Eskridge uh, proves it's just another weapon. You know, and I think that's that's the lens they're looking at. But it's the Bengals But the question. lens is really like, I don't think the lens is do I have enough weapons. It's will you uncork me to allow me to use my weapons. Right? This is what we talk about with their offense all the 100%. time. Are you going to let Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson? Let Russ cook. Right. So I think not... Not Russ needs more wide receivers. It's Russ needs you to let him, let you guys trust him more. Like I think Russ that, needs the line. They miss it. Russ they, needs the line. They miss it big time. I mean, so, but yeah, it's it, it's the pivotal Bengals question. It's why would you go after a wide receiver right. or a special needs player if you need like running back, wide receiver, even even punt returners and guys like that when. You can need a lineman. You need a, five guys across the board at, in Seattle right now. Russell Wilson's running for his life. Now you have DK, you have Lockett, why go receiver? It now, makes no sense. Eskridge was pick number fifty-six, so I do hope he turns out to be the greatest player of all time. Yeah, it's your number. Uh, obviously, that you know that is my number. But you're right, and although we did talk about the last time a team had you know only three picks in an entire draft, it's probably not the last time, but it's the last time we can remember. Uh, it was the Giants, I believe, in 05. Turned There's out four to be, picks, correct? Yeah, that, but st- you know that low number of pickage, I, I think would be the word, uh, and that draft turned out pretty well for them, didn't it? Oh yeah, they got Corey Webster, Justin Tuck, Brandon Jacobs, and another bench player. I don't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, but that's, three of those guys started in two Super Bowls. So yeah, that's you pretty can good. do damage with a low number of draft picks. Right, but we'll see where Seattle takes it. Again, a lot of this stuff, winners and losers, and draft grades. Still on, we gotta wait to see these guys get on the field. Training camps, mini camp is uh, rookie mini camp is coming up. Some of it has started already. Crazy. 
So this is a great segue now because we go from uncertainty with quarterback situations, talking about Russ Wilson, yep. to now mini camps that we haven't seen and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Oh, boy. So you and I discussed this before the show that we do not think Jordan Love can play. Why do we have to speculate? All of training camp was closed last year. There was no media allowed because of COVID. Right. Everything was canceled. Then, boom, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the league. There's not a glance at Jordan Love. Now, the Packers have seen him in closed practices. The Packers have seen him behind closed doors in the essence of classrooms and such like that. Now, Aaron Rodgers wants out, and they do not want to let him go. What does this tell me about Green Bay right now? Green Bay is in a state of we don't know what the hell we're doing. And it's, again, part of it is actually the way their ownership is run uh, because they are publicly owned. There is no one owner. And then you got, I, I don't even know the hiring process for like GM and stuff like that. Aaron Rodgers doesn't like their GM. Call them uh, uh, Jerry Krause in group chats. Which now, is pretty messed up. <laughs> it's pretty messed up, but the guy also doesn't have six championships. Remember that. Um, he has two back-to-back 13-3 seasons, though. That's that's great. You don't hang banners for that. Trouble in paradise. Um, but, <laughs> I, you know, I think with Aaron Rodgers, it's one of those things like, you drafted my replacement. He's clearly not getting... We've heard, we've heard the reports. He's not getting reps in practice at all. Like, let alone as the backup. He's not getting them at all. You know, so I think that's a bad sign, and I think it's it is a it's a battle of egos right now. Who is gonna have the huevos to say I messed up? And it's and we heard Brett Favre talk about it. Is not going to be Aaron Rodgers. So is it going to come from the GM? Now let me ask you another question. Go ahead. Where do you go now if you're Aaron Rodgers? What team is most suited to win now? If you still want to play football and not do Jeopardy. And would you want to play the Packers twice a year? Like, is there bad blood between Aaron Rodgers and I, the Packers where he's not coming back even for a jersey retirement? I don't think he – no. Are we too far in or no? No, I don't think so because I think that GM will get fired before then anyway. Um, Which is but I, Yeah. <laughs> I think he likes a place like San Francisco where he's got a brilliant offensive – he's got a brilliant offensive mind now. But he's got a brilliant offensive mind in Kyle Shanahan. The Flores and Shanahan run similar offenses. Right. They they run the football extremely well. Modified West Coast. Extremely, extremely well. Um, hopefully that defense can return to somewhat. You know, you get the Bosa and the Solomon Thomas and those guys. And it would allow him to do his jeopardy. So I think, you know, <laughs> for him. Very true. For him, San Francisco is the And it's where he's born and raised. You know, so I think that's where... There's, there's no bad, bad blood for them passing on him in, what, 2005, I believe? Alex I think Smith? it was enough... Mo- I think it was a lot of motivation to... I think there was bad blood, but he's... I think he's at the point in his career he's over it. Um, he's not really holding that grudge necessarily. The draft day drama. But he would love to come home, you know, and that I think that's... Sense. That's the thing. You know, the other teams he threw out there, the Broncos, yeah. Uh, the the Raiders, like I I just don't. I mean, John Gruden would take a stab at it. Like if there was a coach in the league that would, you know, sell the franchise just to get a piece of Aaron Rodgers, he would do it. But uh, San Francisco seems like the place now. Would they trade him there? Rumor has it they wouldn't trade him to an NFC team. So that now opens up a different different avenue. Raiders. Listen, if I'm the Giants, I get on the phone. And I find out what it would take because... You have two firsts next year. You have two firsts next year. You have Saquon Barkley, who you probably don't want to pay. And you have a quarterback that 
you aren't sold on. So you know, it's it it's. Can you do a four for one? I I I wonder. I wonder. You know, and again, every, oh, you're crazy. I would I would consider it with if, our defense. If I yes, was a, if I was to. a Giant fan, I would seriously consider it. Now let's just stay in the NFC East for one last football segment. The odds came out yesterday for the NFC East. The Cowboys are the favorite in Vegas to win. Redskins. Oh, excuse me. Washington football team being number two. Giants three. Eagles four. Do you like that? Do you think Vegas is on the right track with that? Or unbiasedly, who do you think is going to win the NFC East? It's interesting because Dak's coming off a major injury. He's not coming off a broken finger, not a broken hand. He's coming off a significant injury. And they were 1-6 and six before he got hurt with their one win being against Atlanta in the miracle fourth quarter. Right. And, and you know, then they I think technically he gets credit for the win against the Giants, I believe, because he Correct. started the yeah, game. Yeah, we'll give him his due. Um but you know that he that was a very significant injury, and I think while they got Micah Parsons, that still doesn't cover anybody. Like the, the front seven was fine, right? Like they, but they got an overpaid Dexter Lawrence or Demarcus Lawrence, not Dexter. Dexter Lawrence is at the Giants. The Demarcus Lawrence overpaid. Late, you don't know what Leighton Vander Esch is. Micah Parsons has question marks, and 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 again, I talked about last, uh, two weeks ago. I thought those were a little overblown. Uh, they were more maturity type issues uh, than anything else, and obviously we'll see how much he grew. But uh, you know, again, you had Vanderesh, you have Jalen Smith. What is the point of what is the point of bringing in Micah Parsons? I, like I'm confused. I guess Sean Lee retires, and, but and I know they got thrown off because they wanted Sertain, and he went to the Broncos because the Panthers took Horn. Yeah. They were eyeing up horn. There's a run on corners. Right. Early. So I get it, but I I'm still a little confused on who exactly they're going to cover. You know, like who are they going to cover in these games? I don't know. It's got to wait and see. So I probably wouldn't put them that high. I think Washington's got a shot. Um, you know, especially I think Heineke. You know, they'll they'll probably let him play a little bit, and then Fitzmagic. You know, they. Might as well use him like they did last year in a closer role, like Miami yards, did. Two weeks in a row. Yeah, I mean, you might as well let him come in and be the Mariano Rivera of your team and go win you a game. You know, it's so and, and their front seven's disgusting. They just got Jamin Davis, who's one of the freakest athletes in this entire draft out of Kentucky. Giants were eyeing him. I heard. Yeah, so um, I think Washington probably right now, as we sit, should be the favorite. Uh, and I think the Giants and Cowboys would be very close. Very, very close. Because, again, I still think the Giants slide to three because of the question marks at quarterback. Daniel Jones is still a question mark, even with all the weapons. And so is the offensive line. It's four or five so question marks. So is the offensive line. Like, Andrew Thomas played better, and I think he'll be fine this year. But you start getting to Lemieux, Gates, Will Hernandez, and Matt Pert. Matt Pert's a guy that didn't see the field last year. Will Hernandez got benched for Shane well, well, you got Zach Fulton now, so one of those guys is going to be benched. You right, but Fulton again, Hernandez. like, how good is he going to be? You know, it's it's one of these things. It, it just there's I I would I understand why the Giants are sitting at third right now. I think that could change. Obviously, we'll see. The schedules are coming out this week, so that's that's very important. So, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. I I think Washington should be the favorite right now. Yeah, I think Vegas is missing with that one. Let's talk NBA. We have a playing tournament now. We have the Lakers, LeBron talking about how someone should be fired for the playing tournament idea. Why is that, Goose? It's na- I mean, it's natural. Anytime something affects you, you have different oh, feelings. So everybody's it affects like, LeBron now. Huh? Everybody's like, oh, you know, like, like, oh. but this, it's the same way with everything else. 
Like, you don't, I don't care about a $7 tax on cigarettes because I don't smoke. Exactly. The minute I start smoking, I'm going to be like, who's the idiot that did this? <laughs> like, they need to be, they need to be removed. So true. <laughs> you know, so like, it's just, it's a natural human thing. And because we expect so much of LeBron, we didn't really expect a lot of it. Listen, he's got to get healthy. Uh, the Lakers are sliding into the seven spot. They're seated. They would play the Warriors right now in, in, the, in the play-in tournament. Um, and again, they gotta they gotta either beat the Warriors or they gotta beat the winner of Memphis or San Antonio. So I think they're okay, even without LeBron. I think that team can win. But if they have any chance of going anywhere in the playoffs, LeBron James and that ankle needs to be healthy. Now you heard him say he'll never be a hundred percent in his career again. I don't like that. We. Yeah, but we know that. Well, no, we here's, know that. here's why I don't like it. It's giving LeBron an excuse to do poorly. If LeBron doesn't live up to LeBron, we know, and it's a first-round exit for the first time in his career, period, never happened before, then he makes the excuse, I told you guys I wasn't 100% healthy, but if he's the Lakers' dream guy and wins two in a row, I overcame these injuries. Look at me. Right. It's, but, the goat, it's the GOAT effect. Right, but you can't fall into it, is what I'm trying to say. Like, I can, I know right now, I can tell you each year going into the seasons, I wasn't healthy. You know, I I could tell you. You think you think LeBron going into the playoffs the year in Miami where he took two weeks off, or uh, when he was in Cleveland and flew to Miami? We know he wasn't a hundred percent. I guarantee he hasn't been a hundred percent. I I know why. Right, you mentioned it. I know why he's doing it, but I think at the end of the day, like you got to be able to see through it, and you'll you'll understand why. Listen, playing through, and, and it was funny. Bart Scott was talking about uh, the former Jets linebacker. He was mentioning. Uh, we could put this, LeBron could play tight end debate away. He's soft, all this stuff, because he's been out this long with an ankle injury. I, I think he forgets how long Christian McCaffrey was out with this injury because uh, it was roughly the same amount of time. Oh, and then he hurt it again and was out season. Right, so like, you know. We're, I only know that because I own him in fantasy. I hate you, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, but you're right. You see it happen all the time. Right, so like these injuries are not, everybody ta- everybody knows you don't play with high ankle sprains. And we saw Saquon do it. Saquon came back in two weeks, and he was never the same. Never the same guy. So these injuries are tricky. He's got to get healthy. Um, and if he's not, they have zero chance. Zero chance in the playoffs. So let's pick our teams for the West right now. So 7-8, Lakers-Warriors, 9-10, Spurs-Grizzlies. Which two get in? I think the Lakers get in, and I think the Warriors get in. I, yeah. I, think, I think Steph is... Magical enough to play two games well enough, or one game if they win the first one, to get into the postseason. Uh, so let's move to the East for the playing tournament. The 7-8 game is Celtics versus the Charlotte Hornets. And then the 9-10 game is the Wizards versus Pacers, which we saw even last night. It was an amazing game. Sabonis triple-double, Westbrook triple-double, ties Oscar Robinson, Bradley Beal for 15-5. Tremendous game. Let's talk about those games. Yeah, I think uh, I think you'd get Washington to prevail. Um, you know, and I think that team's learning the dynamic of how it needs to work. Russell Westbrook, in particular, is learning how that dynamic has to work. He needs to do everything because we saw. Well, we saw him. We saw him last year in the bubble try to do everything with him and James Harden, and he turned the ball over eight times against the Lakers in one game. Uh, and he had countless turnovers in other games. But to, in his so, defense, that was the best defensive rated team last year, even after the bubble. Right, but again, like. You gotta be you gotta be willing to know your role and come playoff time. Obviously, we'll see. I'm gonna take the superstars in that matchup. I'll take Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. Uh, and then you know, interesting that other match. Hornets now have Lamelo. Yeah, they now have Lamelo. Um, 
Celtics have not been good, I sadly admit. No, and and honestly, I I like the Hornets. I like the Hor- I like <laughs> that hurts. I like the Hornets to get in. Um and I think, you know, but I think when you look at that, now the Celtics lose. They get to play the winner of, well, of you that game. the Wizards. And I think I think they beat the Wizards. I think they find a way to beat the Wizards. Um, not 100% sure why, but I just have that feeling. So I think they sneak in to play. To play they'll play probably Philadelphia, sitting in the one seed. So, you know, that's interesting. You won't be playing Brooklyn. You know, you won't be playing Brook, uh, Brooklyn round one. So uh, that, It helps, but it's not great. Avenue. Now let's just talk playoffs in general now. So you got the Lakers and Warriors, and then the Hornets and Celtics respectively getting in after the play-in. Now, it comes down to who's going to be the champion. Who do you think right now is the hottest team in the NBA, and who can win the title and make this run? Hottest team in the NBA. That's interesting. Milwaukee's been a team that's that's just flown really right under the radar. Uh, and it's weird to say that when you have the two-time defending MVP on your team and uh, you traded for Drew Holiday in the offseason. But they're a small market team and they've been mostly forgotten about because the last two years they've run away with the one seed. So now that they're the two or three seed, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. We forgot about Milwaukee? So it's one of those things I think the Suns are playing really well. Uh, Chris Paul is doing a fantastic job out there. We're fine. We're finally getting to see Devin Booker play on big stages for once. You know, in his NBA career, we're finally starting to see it. Well, we kind of saw last year in the bubble, a and run. Right, right. And now he's got Chris Paul alongside of him. So I would probably say those are the two of the hottest teams. Uh, you cannot for, you cannot sleep on Utah as one of the hottest teams. Bojan just went for 48 the other day. So it, it's really fascinating when you look Sneaky, at all these teams. Good, yeah, all these teams. And they shoot the three ball at an uh, unbelievable rate. I think at one point in the year they have like, 15 or more threes in like 25 games or so. Just some stupid statistic about how great their three-point shooting is. Um, But again, you know, it's one of those things where a team like the Suns or a team like the Jazz are going, if LeBron comes back healthy, they're going to have to play him in round one. (laughs) And that is like one of, that's got to be one of the scariest thoughts in the NBA right now, is if LeBron comes back healthy, we have to play him in round one. We saw they were the second best team in the West before he got hurt and 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 Anthony Davis got hurt. So, like if he comes back healthy, you gotta be scared if you're one of those top teams that you might be going home early, because again it's LeBron. All he's gonna do is win one on the road, then he went then he goes home and wins two at Staples, comes back for Game Six, wins it. That's it. Like it's it's you know LeBron finds ways to do that. So I think that's that's got to be the scariest thing right now. Don't sleep on the Clippers. I think the Clippers right now, with the the health of LeBron James, I think the Clippers right now should be the favorites to come out of the West. In terms of the East, I still think once James Harden gets healthy, and that seems to be rolling along, I think the Brooklyn Nets find a way to get to the NBA title. You know, it's interesting. The Nets obviously have been in a down slump to end the season. But once Harden and the big three of their team comes together and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, that team's easily going to make a finals run. But what's interesting about the Clippers to me is I know they don't get talked about a lot in the postseason, especially because of all the eliminations they've occurred. Way off P. Yeah, Yeah. all all that stuff. They have six guys shooting over 40% right now, which if you were going to go ahead into the postseason with guys shooting the ball that well, 
Who knows? Right. Like, could and be a run. It, and it makes you wonder game planning and stuff like that in a seven-game series, what our coach is able to do about that. Mismatches, if, second but, rotations, all that good stuff. If guys are making shots at that clip, uh, no no pun intended, uh, they, that they're going to be a problem. Huh. Listen, they don't get talked about because they're, they're the basement brother of Staples Center. And that's... They're the Mets. They're the... Right. Well, and yeah, again, Jets, I guess. it just does not change. Like, listen, I think they could go win a world title, and that's still Laker country. Like, it's just, I'm you need, sorry. You need 15 more to even you need, start talking. Move to Seattle. <laughs> move to, go be Seattle's team, okay? They like, need one. You're not going to be Los Angeles's team, and uh, but but they are completely under the radar. Completely, and then nobody's talking about them. And uh, a team that's not going to make a finals run, Jolan, but uh, has been impressive all year long out in the East, it's got to be the Knicks. Oh, yeah. Uh, you overcome the adversity that having James Dolan as your owner presents. Uh, you then get a new... Uh, you get... <laughs> poor Dolan, man. You can't catch one Knicks No, break. not poor Dolan. The dude's going to make like $5 no, billion right. dollars when right. he sells he everything. He still sells out. He could be anything but poor. Yep. Um, but they've played very hard for Tom Thibodeau. That's the one thing I think everybody knew when he got hired. Listen, they're going to have to play defense. And they're going to have to play hard because he's going to push you. He's going to ride you. And he's done it to perfection this year. And Julius Randle has looked terrific. Uh, quickly has looked great. A lot of these pieces, Noel has looked good. A lot of these pieces are starting to flow together. And they're going to be a playoff team. You know, that's that's the reality of the situation. Where they go, if they, again, we talked about it, I think, with Moulton there a few weeks ago. If they can get into the 4-5, they have a chance to win a playoff series. And, uh, and move on from there. But, uh, you know, the Knicks are going to go to the postseason. Well, you had mentioned it. The, the key to this success for the Knicks has to be Tom Thibodeau. Accountability on the front of Julius Randle. Accountability now with Derrick Rose coming back to that team. And he, yep. him playing with Tom Thibodeau. Had that famous great um, MVP season with him on the Bulls. So the pieces are right now aligning for the Knicks. And it's great for the NBA. Oh, it's it, terrific. It's, it's awesome when the Knicks are doing better. And when both New York City teams and both LA teams are going to make the playoffs, everybody's happy, it seems like. And I really hope the Knicks make a push for it. Nobody else deserves it more than them. And it's coming from a Celtics, a Celtics guy, so yeah. Knicks, if it's going to be your year, man, that'd be something special. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, we talk about New York teams having to do something special. That's perfect segue uh, into talking a little bit. Uh, you know what? We'll talk about NBA Rookie of the Year real quick. Uh, I made the prediction at the beginning of the year. Uh, obviously, Molnar went with the hometown guy, Obi Toppin. Uh, I thought LaMelo would win Rookie of the Year. I think he... Here's here's how I'll put this out there for people. Oh. I think he will win Rookie of the Year. I think Anthony Edwards should win Rookie of the Year. The way he's played, he's been obviously on the court more than LaMelo lately, uh, and he's been spectacular. I heard Cap talk about it. Nobody changes game plans no rookie changes game plans like Anthony Edwards does. And so I think, you know, that's that he's got an interesting conversation, but I think the hysteria around LaMelo coming into this year and him coming back from the wrist injury and playing well, I think people are just like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, it's his award. I, you know, I just think that's it, it has really, to be. You know what? That's his. Award. And I know we glossed over most improved player, probably being Julius. Oh, it's got to be Julius. Randall. Yeah, rookie of the year. Obviously, we think Lamelo. Now, here's an interesting one. Who do you think the MVP is? There's a lot of talk about possibly Joel Embiid deserving it over Nikola Jokic. Jokic. Yep. I mean, listen, if you want to look at value, I think Chris Paul's got to be up there. He's, is he? Yeah. Stats wise, you're not going to get an argument. 
You're, there is no stat that's going to tell you Chris Paul is the MVP. But if you watch the games and you watch what he's done for that Suns team, he is the MVP. And I and I think I think it's that simple. Now, who's going to win the award? Joel Embiid's got a great push. It, it's going to be weird either way because again, Jokic to me is just. Eh, eh. Like it, it's non-athletic. It's the Tim Duncan it, MVP. It's just though. kind of yeah, a little bit. It's not going to be flashy, but it's no. going to be secure buckets. No, but yeah. So I think Jokic wins it. I think he's the one they give the award to, and then it's really interesting. You know, Fox's uh, Nick Wright caught a lot of flack this week uh, for Nick saying wrong. Nick, <laughs> after kidding. saying that Jokic would probably be the like if you just look at the careers of everybody who's won an MVP in the last 50 years, Jokic would rank either dead last or second to last, only ahead of Derrick Rose, but obviously Derrick Rose went through some stuff that was out of his hands, really. Uh, That is an interesting... That's an interesting discussion because Jokic is just something... I don't like it. He's not... But I'm telling you, if you looked at this list, you'd have a hard time him putting Jokic above any of I these I saw guys. the list. I saw Nick Wright talk about it. The problem I have with that is he put full bodies of work compared to Jokic's six years. You know what I'm right. saying? Look at the MVPs at six years each. Right. And then you could rank them. It's, to me, of course, Michael Jordan and LeBron are going to have better careers. They're the best two basketball players right. to touch earth. Like, but it's also, I wonder, too, it's got it. they. His stats also, like, they don't jump at you. You they know what I mean? They, they don't. don't. They're not flashy, and he's not a flashy player. It's one of those years he was just healthy enough, and he stuck around enough, and the team played well enough after Jamal Murray got hurt. I think he's going to win the MVP. It's the Joel Tim Duncan just missed effect, too many. It's, I'm telling you, Tim Duncan was not flashy. People did not like when he won MVP. And then no one really liked the Spurs dynasty. You can call yeah. it for what it is. Because they were boring and they played fundamentally sound basketball. But guess what? Tim Duncan's still top 15 all time. Yeah. It doesn't have true. to be flashy to make it consistent and efficient. This is true. So I think that, and then defensive player of the year, uh, I think it's Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons has been great all year long. Uh, again, fly, the, the, his defensive player of the year really kind of got started earlier in the year, and I think it kind of died out here as we get to uh, um, mid-May, as we head into mid-May. But I still think he's been the best defensive player in basketball this year. Uh, he's been terrific, so I think that's his award to lose. I honestly, Gobert is an interesting topic. All yeah, that stuff. We'll yeah. See. Gobert's been in there a lot, but uh, and then you look at Coach of the Year. I think honestly, personally, and I know Monty Williams of the Suns. I know that's Terry, probably mine. Terry Stotts has done a great job. I think it's got to be Tom Thibodeau. Mm. I, I of of the Dimsdale. Talk about Dim, him a lot today. Of the Good Dimsdale guy. Dimsdale uh, I, he, to me, it's got to be him because of what he did for the league. We talked about how great it is for the league when the Knicks are great, and or, or at least good and in playoff contention. And I think what, what he's he done, what he's gotten out of that team, I think is more than more than uh, more than anybody else. Because I think when you look at the Suns, you you more give the credit so to Chris Paul, you know. So I think that's. You know, you start to think about his his emergence and stuff like that. Very good and point. Utah's played together. Utah, to me, feels like an AAU team that's played together since they were like four. Like they, I feel like they've had the same lineup for the past six years. Huh. So you know the continuity. You know, and I think that's how people would pass. You know, Stotts off. I think Thibodeau is the coach of the year. I really do. The way he's revitalized 
the New York fan base. Because again, at one point, it's just dudes in suits saying, I went to Madison Square Garden. Now you've got legit Nick fans back in the arena. Uh, obviously, that wasn't Thibodeau didn't do that. You know, yeah, obviously that was just lucid restrictions. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but it, you know, the basketball on he the court. Gave them something to watch right, and attend to and right. probably the, risk something for. The product on the court is what got those is what got real Nick fans back in the arena. And you know what? That's a fair assessment. I, I did like Monty Williams, but you sang the Chris Paul effect. Can you give it to Chris Paul, though? No. No. <laughs> so, no. like, the Suns have been playing high level of basketball. Monty Williams is leading that team. So, I think. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting debate because, of, of course, Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks. So yeah. we'll, we'll see when in a couple weeks from now. A lot of talk about the Tibbs. But now, uh, let's move on from New York basketball to New York baseball. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. The Mets have been uh, about a 500 baseball team here early on. They've got one of the best staffs in, in Major League Baseball. I think top to bottom they've looked really good. And they're not even fully healthy. Uh, DeGrom got scratched from the start. He looks like he's fine. Uh, Carrasco is not back yet. Thor is not back yet. So, and Seth Lugo still on the, you know, so Diaz that's, that's the getting, bullpen. Yep, Diaz is still. I, st- I still don't trust him as far as I can throw him. And he's, well, he's lightweight, so I can probably throw him. <laughs> he is still hurt. Um, so, no, Edwin Diaz is fine, isn't he? No, he has a, he's going to be back in two games. He actually got benched yesterday. Yeah, he should get benched for performance. No, no, no. He got benched for injury for Trevor May last night. Oh, okay. He should have got benched for performance. No, they've been a five. The offense has struggled. Lindor has struggled for the the big $340 million man. Now, here's the thing, Jolan. The page just turned to May. If he was hitting 050 on July 31st, I'd be like, okay, listen. You might want to reassess this contract. In terms of 2021, we're screwed. Um, but when you look at it in totality, you know, we had the other night, Friday, I believe it was good, Friday night, either before the game or, you know, in the middle of one of the innings, uh, there was there was something going on in the tunnel. And commotion, if you we will. think there was a commotion. You could see guys like Conforto, <laughs> VR, guys, Dom Smith, were running into the dugout, uh, into the tunnel, excuse me. Now, after the game, Lindor and Jeff McNeil, the two culprits of this quote-unquote incident, uh, decided to say they were arguing about whether it was a rat or raccoon, I'm <laughs> guessing, that they saw. Now, Dr. Vin Prisbolinski made a great point on our show this past week. Raccoons are not fun to look at. No. You're probably not having people run in if you're looking at a raccoon. So I think there was something going on. There's reports McNeil had a little bit of a black eye. Um, and I honestly think, I think they got into it. I really do. I think McNeil got after Lindor about his contract and not living up to it. And what did Lindor do? Came out, had two hits, had, uh, two, R- had three RBIs. He hit the game tying home run. Uh, he stole did, home the other night. Right. So, you know, he has seemingly responded and good play on, you know, in my eyes, I think, you know, some of this stuff is good. We saw it a couple, uh, last weekend with the Phillies. Uh, that guy Alvarado, Avocado, whatever the hell his name is, <laughs> decided to try and fight Dom Smith. I wanted to see the benches brawl. Like, I wanted to see the Mets give me some life. Give me some life in this team. Because yep. you ain't got none in the bats. Give me some life on this team. But the Mets bats seem to be coming around just a little bit. And that's what makes the team so scary. Well, in fairness, across the board in Major League Baseball right now, pitchers are dominating. We're yeah. pitching at higher velocities. Batters can't get on page, and people are talking about maybe moving the mound backwards, maybe 
like lessening up the ball, make it a little lighter. But here's the thing: juice them up. Batters have always, always, always adjusted to how fast the pitcher is pitching, or baseball wouldn't be existing today. Right. They were throwing 55 fastballs in 40, 75 in the 80s, and 95 <laughs> early 2000s, and now we're at 105 in the 20s. So you see hitters adjust over time, and baseball as a whole has slumped to start the season. So it's not just the Mets. Pitchers are dominating. Right, but the Yankees are starting to come back to life, and I think that's what gets Mets fans uh, uh, agitated and anxious, is that their crosstown rivals are starting to find it, in particular Giancarlo Stanton. He's come alive like we haven't seen. Batting in the two spot. Right, and batting in the two spot, and for once, Jelani's healthy. You know, like, I don't think people... First time in years, because he was healthy. Yeah, that's, what I, mean. that's yeah. what I mean. First time in years that he's healthy. First time... Well, you look at the last time he was healthy for the Marlins, Jolani won the MVP. He had 58 home runs. Rightfully so. Great he Marlins was the MVP. So I don't think anybody quite, nobody questioned his skill set. I think it was just, could he stay healthy, getting up there in age? How healthy is he going to be? When he's this healthy, this is what you're going to get. This is what the dollar signs mean for him. Right. You paid him for a reason. This is the stand you need if you're going to make that glass ceiling break and go to the World Series for the first time in, what, 10 years? They haven't even made a pennant. 12 years. Yeah, so 2009. Time's ticking. Time's yeah. ticking for these guys, and they have found their groove. I think this is one of the most fearsome teams to go against right now, especially in early May. Well, and they finally got the Astros to come to town for the first time since great the series. scandal. Good, great good series. Uh, Altuve's birthday, They the Yankees were trying to sweep them. They were Don't down. say anything about that. Yeah. Alt, Altuve heard some uh, vulgar chants yeah. coming from the we stands. We will not repeat it. And he took Ch- Chad Green deep. In the eighth inning, gave him the lead, three-run homer. Uh, and just kind of, Joel, on, I think the last time we saw really an environment this hostile, I think back to when LeBron came back to Cleveland for the first time after he first left in 2010. When he first came back with the Heat, that was one of the most hostile environments I think we've seen. In sports er, setting. In sports, it really comes to mind. So I think... This series, obviously, again, it's three games, not just the one game. But I think in terms of the overall hostility, I think that, to me, is the closest thing it rivals to. You know, at least at least in my mind. Well, of course, everyone's on Twitter looking through the series, watching it live. And you see a lot of talk of, oh, the Yankees have cheated before. There's a difference between what the Yankees have mm-hmm. done with steroids and A-Rod being punished. And then Altuve having total clearance and clemency for ratting on his own organization. Altuve, Bregman, those guys have not faced the proper repercussions, so they're going to be getting booed in Yankee Stadium for my whole lifetime. Right, and I think, that, I think, Joel, that's one of those things where, like, you know, you could bring up a great point in class and the teacher's going to say, well, listen, that's for a different lesson. You know, like, yeah, the Yankees cheated, but that's a, they, the, we're, that's not what we're talking about, pal. The, the guys right? in the Yankees got hit with big fines. They got hit with career-possible altering repercussions with no Hall of Fame, so... I don't know. I do not see the Yankees guys and the Astros guys being compared right. here equally. But like, damn it, stay on topic. Like, you know, that, I think that's <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what <laughs> you you're cheated saying. still. <laughs> that, that's what you're saying. Like, stay on topic. Damn it. Like, you know, we're talking about the Astros here. We're not talking about the Yankees. Okay? And if we're talking about the Yankees. It's a different thing here. Right. You <laughs> like, listen, listen. You want to start talking? Cheating? Let's talk to Boston Red Sox. Like, let's start <laughs> talking to all these different teams. Let's talk to San Francisco Giants who had Barry Bonds when he cheated. Yeah. Like, you know, like we really, you really want to open Pandora's box? No, you don't. Okay, so... Uh, Someone said Pete Rose, what? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dude bet on his own team to win a game and they lost. And he's yeah. and he's been banned for baseball for life. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. 
Uh, what are we even talking? About? You know, crazy, just crazy it's, stuff. The, but I think need repercussions for this to go away. I but the, I honestly I don't see it. I don't. It's I good for really baseball don't it see it. Go away. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, because there's villain. Yeah, there's yeah, a big villain. But, but for once, it's not the Yankees. Like the the villain has always been the Yankees. Well, they just buy so and so. They buy so and so. Now it's the cheaters. Like that. Now it's the Strohs. The asterisk Strohs. You know, so I think, uh, wow, it's, you know, just going to be absolutely crazy. But again, baseball is better when both teams in New York are good. That Subway series is going to be electric, obviously, if each team continued to trend in the direction that we're seeing. Again, we mentioned guys like Thor and Carrasco coming back. Uh, the Yankees have their, you know, they've got some guys coming back, and uh, I don't think Syndergaard is going to be available early July, but no, the it'll end probably of July. be it'll probably be basically like like trading for a guy at the trade deadline. Yep. It, but instead, you don't have to give anything up, and you're just getting Noah Syndergaard back. So uh, expect I would expect him to come out trying to throw 105. You know, he, he's going to be he's going to be juiced up. Um, Looks jacked. Yeah. Pitching shirtless. <laughs> He's doing everything you want to from an injured guy. <laughs> he's doing everything for a ladies' magnet perspective too. So, oh, dude, he's already getting a hundred million ladies. Picture <laughs> in New York. But, uh, but no, it's uh, you know, it's one of those things. That, like I said, that the Grom injury looks like it's nothing. Uh, so that's that's great news. Obviously, he's the best pitcher in the world. Not uh, debatable. There, there's, there's there's no, no debate. debate. Uh, the way he the way he goes out there and does what he does, it's listen. Garrett Cole's a great pitcher, and he's had a fantastic year. And he still hasn't had the great year that Jacob DeGrom has had. They're both probably going to have Cy Youngs if Pace pans out. If Pace pans out, yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? The so, Cy Young is coming and staying in New York. Yeah, that's so, going to be fun. But, uh, but yeah, so that's going to do it for our baseball talk. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, the big concern, Joe, on the Dodgers continue to slump. They started out 13-2, and two, uh, but it's early. Listen, I think that's, that's the big thing baseball fans and fans around – any sport need to remember. Yep. The calendar just hit May. It is, you know, we are sitting here on Mother's Day. You know I don't like to talk about the date often because people listen to this at different times. But we are recording on a special day. It is Mother's Day. We'll talk about that towards the end. Um, but it just turned to May. We're a mo- less than a month and a half into baseball. Let, let the Dodgers figure it out. Talent. Let things kind of ride out and uh, and see how the, see it out. How it all goes, and you got to remember these guys haven't had a full season like this in two years. They played basically a yeah. preseason last year in spring training, fall, if, you, if that's what you want to call it. But again, <laughs> these teams are just coming together. They've played one full month of baseball almost together. You're gonna start seeing the uptick now. Yep, and uh, just real quick, Albert Pujols did get cut uh, this week. One of someone the guys, give him a chance. Thirty three away from seven hundred, I believe. Yeah, so someone give the guy a one chance. of those guys that we got to watch growing up. One of the best hitters. You know, just, bring a tear to my eye. Yeah, you know, and then you, you think of names that are similar to that. Miguel Cabrera, you know, towards the end of his rope, he's in a buck twenty-seven. Uh, just you know, the, the, it's sad to see these guys start to go because you remember watching them growing up. Well, um, you it's, know, it's sad and it's not because now you got some guys where you could easily make an argument for Hall of Fame with their numbers, with their right. Like Pujols is above three hundred in total. Finally, um, for once, we can talk some Hall of Fame exactly. people. And baseball needs some guys to retire and build a legacy for future yeah. generations and younger players to look after. Because right now, baseball was dry a couple years ago, and I think it's on the uptick now. 
But still, you still have problems with viewership. You have blackout problems with the MLB network. Yeah. They're not doing things for the fans specifically. So for kids to have role models and Hall of Famers retiring, it's going to be good for baseball, I think. Right. I think viewership actually has been up this year, so yeah, that's been a good that's sign for now, them. Now it's the time to bring um, baseball the, back into America. These blackout things are just stupid. Yeah, ridiculous um, network rules. Yeah. And, uh, I'm missing half the games, literally. You know, uh, while we're on the topic of the Hall of Fame, Kobe Bryant's uh, Hall of Fame is going to be in a couple weeks. I believe basketball is doing that, uh, so that'll be interesting. Michael Jordan to present. Yeah, uh, that's going to be an awesome ceremony, a very emotional ceremony, uh, and obviously all that. Joel, uh, listen, we you know we've kind of run out of time here. You know, I, I kind of wanted to talk the NCAA, but I want to spend more time on that, so I'll rip them next time. Uh, the NCAA and the state of Georgia. We're gonna we talk a little the state of Georgia. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. But Joel, I did mention it is Mother's Day, so uh, I want to just give you the floor real quick. You know, it uh, and whatever you want to say. Uh, go go right ahead. Open the floor. Okay. A couple things here. Mets need a new manager. Celtics need to fire everybody except Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And Brad Stevens is now officially on my hot seat. Joel, I wanted to give you the floor to talk about Mother's Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Regardless of my off topic, Mother's <laughs> but, Day. But those were good. Those yeah, were oh, good. no. Oh, I had to air it out. But go things. ahead. Okay, Mother's Day. Obviously, mothers are the backbone of our society. Everybody either has a mother or a mother figure in your life. You have to treat her with respect because she is why you are the person you are today. Obviously, not everybody has a mother with them today. So we do send you our love on that front. And I guarantee they'd be proud of the person you have become today. And to all the mothers out there, we wish you a special happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and you rock. I mean, listen, you know, I think that's the thing, Jolan, I try to never take for granted is that I have my mom. She was here you know, from when I was knocking over Christmas trees as a two-year-old to, you know, touching the hot stove when I was a little kid. Pee-wee football. To, to pee-wee football, to the knee surgeries, to the to the state title to game. To the funplex birthday parties in middle school. Right, the ebbs and the flows. My mom has been there throughout the whole thing. Uh, so, again, we appreciate all the mothers out there. And if you're a mother-like figure, don't take that for granted either. Listen, you're very special. You're needed and uh, wanted. You're needed and wanted. Perfectly said, Jolan. And, again... You mentioned they're the backbone. Uh, they're the backbone of any family. They're the backbone of anything we do in this country. And again, every day should be Mother's Day. Uh, but it, it's nice to have one day we really single it out uh, and appreciate all the mothers out there. Get all the pink bats out for baseball. Do whatever you do. I know Amazon had flowers that we could take home. So, you know, do, do it up. Do it up for today uh, and enjoy it. That's going to do it for episode 47 on the Air It Out podcast. I'm glad I let Joel on air some things out. Brad Stevens, you're still on my hot seat. I know uh, we're trying to respect our mothers here, but I thought we were coming for your neck, buddy. Well, listen, <laughs> you did say Brad Stevens is on the hot seat, not Brad Stevens' mother is on the hot seat, so that's good. Um, but we respect I, you today, Mama Stevens. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, the, at Goose on the Mic. Both are the same. Uh, reach out with any comments. Obviously, give us a follow. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. I think Apple Podcasts coming out with paid subscriptions. I, I doubt we're going into that. We love to keep our stuff free for our listeners. And uh, we love you guys, so keep giving us reviews. Joel, where might the people be able to find you first personally and then the podcast? Uh, you could follow me on Instagram and Twitter at goodoldjoles. That's good. O is O-L-E and Joel's is J-O-L-E-S if you need a reminder. And you can follow our podcast on Twitter at Podcast Aired Out and Instagram at aired.podcast. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, compliments, you want to get onto the show, you want to tell Goose his draft was horrible, 
Be my guest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And again, we'll keep this thing rocking and rolling. We'll see what's going on in the next few weeks as we stay busy. But Joel, on until next week, and until we inch one week closer to the NFL season, put in the books. Thank <laughs> you.